Welcome to episode 11 of Whoa, the Sink or Swim hold podcast. Hold on, Mitch. Did you just say episode 11? Yeah, we're deep into the double digits now. Wow, 11. Now, from what I remember, there's a special significance about the number 11, right? If you're talking about me? I'm talking about you. 11 was my football number, my jersey number. Is this high school or college? This is college. I was number seven in high school. Okay. The number 11 in college. Wow. And that was when you were the, the quarterback, right? The quarterback. Well, one of the quarterbacks. Nice, nice. Good for you, man. This has nothing to do with today's <laughs> special guest. Uh, so we have another student here. Um, we've been going through the different specialties. We've had a pretty big range: anesthesiology, OBGYN, radiology, etc. But now, pediatrics. Yeah, now we're to the really cool one, though. Yeah, my favorite. As you all know, if you've listened to previous episodes, you know how much of a fan I am of general surgery. Um, and here we have the man himself. Soon to be Dr. Luis Santiesteban. Oh, I love the way you said that. Beautiful name. Welcome. Beautiful man. Welcome. Well, very happy to be here. Very happy to be here. This is an amazing initiative, and coming from two students whom I admire now for the past four years, I'm very happy to be here. He was looking at Mitch when he said that. What a way with words. Lewis, you're one of my favorite people in the class. I'm yes, so happy for you. I know that you're pretty happy with how the match went. Uh, I know we're sitting here just, what, a few weeks past the match at this yeah, point it's, yeah it's, three weeks yeah it's i think been coming yeah three weeks we've been three weeks since match day um lewis here he matched general surgery um how do you say your last name santi esteban dang say that again luis santi esteban um so actually even some of my family members call me lewis it's just something that stuck to me you know ever since i was young okay and and i just kind of carry it with me and you know i, I kind of leave it to uh to sort of the to you know, the person. The person's preference, yeah. Okay. Whatever works best. Yeah. Same for me. People call yeah. me Sam or they call me Samantha. Oh. Okay. And I just call you Lewis. There we go. I love it. Sometimes I want to call you Luis, too. Hey, you, you listen, you could call me whatever you want, Sam. Okay. You, you are you're top notch. Doesn't I like matter. that. Leaving up to people's preference. People call me Mitch all the time. I've never once been like, hey, someone, hey, call me Mitch. And no, just people do it naturally. I notice your wife calls you Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. So she's mad. She calls. She's never called me Mitch. I don't think once in my life. Yeah, she was saying it's weird now that you're in med school. Everybody calls you Mitch. It's right. Like I don't. I don't know you any other way. And then my like my best friends, like the OGs from like high school, they all call me Mitt. It's like, like an a, oven mitt. Like an oven mitt. It's like an inside yeah. joke that stuck, and so I'm Mitt to them, but only them really. Okay. I'm Mitch to most people, but anyways. But you are Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Louise. Yeah. How, Either way. Lou. Has this Lou. like post Lou? I don't know. I don't like that. I don't know about Lou. <laughs> What's up, Lou? Okay, so Lou. I have a question really quick. Okay, please. Has it sunk in for you yet? Because I know right after match, at least I and and I think most of us were kind of in a state of shock and awe for a week or so. Has it sunk in that you're going to be staying in the area, near your family, doing what you love? So it it has in part and um, and it has not at the same time. So it's an extraordinary feeling, you know, coming all the way now, four years down the road and sort of. Uh, knowing you'll stay, you know, in your place of preference, close to family, in the community, you know, that you've loved and been in for the past 20 years. Um, it's like, so it's kind of an, it's an amazing feeling, and it's kind of surreal at the same time. Plus, I'm actually rotating now at the same hospital where I'll be training starting July. So it kind of makes it even more surreal. You know, people ask me, where you'll be going? And then, you know, me saying, oh, I'm staying here with you guys starting July. So, oh, that's so exciting. Your story is the best story to me. You are, you're, you're from here. Like this is your home. Yeah. Um, tell us about your life. Tell us about your life growing up. 
Sure. So, Let's hear it. <laughs> so I'm actually Cuban. So I was born no. in Cuba. Yeah. No way. So I'm sure your listeners can tell. And uh, I came to this country at the age of six. So I'm from a small town. So you were born in Cuba. In Cuba. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 1992. Okay. That's, that's a great year. my age. Yeah. I yeah. love it. So I was, so in, was, I was, uh, I was uh, in second grade that year. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was a great year. Great sort of year. In number. But for the people where I'm from, I was born January, August of that same year, 1992. Um, we had Andrew go by uh, Cuba. So you know, I live in this small town, you know, where the houses are made out of wood. Hurricane Andrew. Yeah, for Hurricane those Andrew. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Okay, yes. okay. Really bad one. I'm sorry uh, then. It wasn't yeah. a great year. Yeah, it was Category 4. Stupid so. year. <laughs> so it depends on who, who okay. you ask. Not a great year. But it's still an amazing year. I love it. Only because you were born. Oh, I think the Olympics were that year too. What the, the, the ones in Barcelona? I wasn't like around till the next year. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, let me let me see. I don't know if the Olympics were that year. Probably ninety two. I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because there was one. They were they were again in nineteen ninety six. So in Barcelona, Spain. So so that's me. I was born there. Came to this country. Um, Did you come as a result of no? Because you came when you were six. Okay. Came to us six. So in, in Cuba, they have this, these things called diversity visas. It's mm-hmm. kind of a lottery they do. And um, at that time, my stepfather won that lottery. And that's the reason why my mother and I were able to come along. So otherwise, I would have still been there. And who was, like, sponsoring this lottery? Was so it the U.S.? Yeah, or? the U.S. government okay. does it. So in conjunction with Cuba, I don't know the exact, you know, right. legality of it. And thanks to that, we came to this country. Um, and I've been in South Florida ever since, you know. I was uh, so raised in Hialeah, Hialeah boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very proud to be there, be from there. And then, um, yeah, uh, Sam, to answer your question, then I went on to do high school, middle school, I mean, college here, now medical school in, in Broward, just a few miles away, you know. And, and you went to FIU, right? FIU. You FIU, you're like a, you're a Miami yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. You're like a total 100% <laughs> Miami guy. More or less, yeah. I mean, you, you take me, you take me out of the Broward County area and I already feel like the air is thinner. Really? It's one of those things, yeah. That's as far north as you can go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah? You know, yeah, for, for a substantial <laughs> amount of time. I mean, you can vacation somewhere else, but then but I have to come back. Otherwise, <laughs> start getting anemic. And, I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to go there. Your physiology <laughs> starts getting messed up. Can I tell you something embarrassing? For the longest time, I was mispronouncing Hialeah. I was calling it Hialeah. Hialeah, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's Hialeah. It's Hialeah. <laughs> Somebody laughed at me once. So one of, the, one of the residents I was working with at Aventura, she was like, no, no, no. It's Hialeah. And I said, okay, I'm sorry, My never apologies. again, never again. <laughs> so Hialeah, you you grow up there. Mm-hmm. You you go, you do your undergrad at FIU, which is a great school. And then what? You apply to med school. Tell us, tell us your process. Yeah, so process now leading to med school. Um, so so before that, again, first generation student, you know, mom and dad. Um, it, well, I first graduated from college. Mom, you know, she's a hairdresser. Dad says air conditioning parts. Wow. Okay. Uh, grandfather, uh, carpenter by trade, but no college education. Grandmother, you know, she used to, she was a housemaid by the age of eight. So, you know, that's, you know, that's my academic background there for you. Right. Um, so now college. So yeah, you're graduated. navigating this all on your own as a first generation American and college student. So you're like, what, what do I do? Yeah, in part. But, you know, at the end of the day, the most important thing throughout this whole journey has been the support that I've received from all those people around me. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, undoubtedly. I've always said that MD stands for mom and dad. 
Aww. That's what it stands for, yeah, 100%. So you have a tight family unit. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Which, again, going back to the initial question, you know, am, I, am I happy to be here? I'm like, absolutely, I'm happy to be here, you know? Yeah. This is, you know, get, get, having the ability to stay close to home means more to me than going out and training at Hopkins. You know, that's, that's how I feel about my, you know, my family my my and my community. Um, I graduated from FIU 20, December 2014. Then I went on to almost two and a half years. Yeah, two and a half years uh, applying to medical school and not getting in. Two and a half, wow, that's okay. Yeah. That's persistence. So why, oh, is it because you were sort of, this is the area I want to stay? Is so not necessarily. It was a combination of grades. It was a combination of um, sort of uh, not knowing, not knowing how to track the journey. Right, not okay. understanding that the MCAT wasn't just another, you know, test you had to study for. You know, uh, not doing well in certain classes during during college. Mm-hmm. You know, partying and messing around a lot. Um, well, and it's then part of the fun. It all came back. Yeah, well, you know, it all came back and it kind of bit me in the butt. And I had to, you know, go back and, for example, retake my uh, physics courses, which was actually one of my strongest subjects, but I wouldn't train in my homework, so. No, I'd, why yeah, weren't you turning I'd in your homework? show up, do one of the tests, and then not turn on the assignments. Oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. you know, and then finish with C's I can and relate. D's. Yeah. Yeah, Mitch was the same. Yeah, that's because Mitch just <laughs> <laughs> No, I can relate to the not doing so well your first time through and having to retake classes, yeah. and it's no good. Yeah. Uh, and you said you applied. It took two and a half years. So did you do two application cycles or three? So, so three application cycles. The third one being when I was accepted here to NSUMD. Oh, wow. Uh, I actually took the MCAT four times. Okay. Yeah, took okay. the MCAT four times. That's persistent. Yeah, well, so I'll tell you why I took the MCAT four times. I took the MCAT the first time around. I didn't study for it, right? I just thought, well, just show up to a test. You know, I do you good in tests. It out. I never had an issue with tests, right? Okay. So I took the MCAT. You know, I did poorly. Back then, it was old scale. I think I got a 17 or something like that, which okay. is, I mean, it's like 20th percentile. That was on when it was like the max scores of 45 or yeah. something. Okay. Yeah. Then took it two months after. I'm like, oh, it's probably just a fluke. Let me just take it again. <laughs> so that's what I mean with not understanding the down. process, right? <laughs> and not realizing that this is uh, this test is as much as you know intellectual feat as it is. You know, really understanding. You know, you know how to study. You know how to focus for eight hours. And so it's definitely a feat in discipline. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It's not not intellect, but discipline. Yeah, that's that's the thing you have to learn. I think. No, no, absolutely. They, they they know what they're doing. It's, it's a great filter. And just to ask, what, like, what point, I don't know if it was high school or in college, when were you like, oh, medical school is something I want to pursue? Oh, since I was a little boy. Okay. Really? Yeah. You're so, like, I want to be a doctor. So there's three things. I wanted to be an astronomer at first. Yes. And Good then choice. I wanted to be an Air Force pilot. Right. So this is, you know, before I was 10 years old. And, uh, and then I dragged that Air Force pilot thing up to my early teenage years. Um, was that because you watched the movie Top Gun and you loved it? Uh, in part, in okay. part, I was yeah. just fascinated by airplanes and yeah, you know cool. flying and you know the whole nine yards. You know, it, we're very impressionable when we're young. Yeah. And then, but I always had this biology, medicine always was part of my life. You know, something that I've always enjoyed, that I was attracted to, and um, and then when I was 14, 15 years old in high school, my school had a program where you had a chance to rotate through a hospital. Cool. And, 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 you know, I went to Hialeah Hospital, <laughs> rotate there, right, <laughs> okay. the emergency department, and that was it for me. I became hooked. Really? Yeah, yeah. This is, this is the okay. career for me, and you know, I loved it. And, uh, yeah, just the rest is history. 
So okay. basically shadowing in the ER. Yeah, we are shadowing. So instead of doing, it was, it's kind of like a work study, but instead of working, you had the chance to do, uh, to go out there and get real world experience. You could do you know, something with lawyers, or your engineering, or you could do medicine. And you, know, you could choose a place where they would, were willing to fill out forms saying that you were right. there and that's it. I think nice. that mentoring and shadowing stuff is so important. And like, Critical. it's so easy for us to like mentor somebody. It's only like a few hours, like every month or two, we just like kind of talking with somebody or having somebody follow you around, but it can literally change the entire course of their life or career. Absolutely. Yep. We have that pipeline here at NSU and yeah. mm-hmm. um, Which we started, peer mentoring program. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> yep. Okay, so you're, you're doing this shadowing, you're, you're, you were 14, you're like, okay, I'm gonna go the medicine route. You go to FIU, then you, you take your MCAT once. You take your MCAT twice. And then... Then the, they switched the MCAT on me. Then the, okay, the, then the, the, the yeah, new MCAT. the 500 scale. Right, exactly. Yeah. And they added the sociology section. Um, That's right, What yeah. was it? Psychology. Psych social. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so kind of transformed the test, and I was kind of getting the hang of the old one. Um, <laughs> you were really killing it, too, so it's really unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so then I took the test a third time. I did better in terms of percentage, but uh, not well enough to get accepted to any local MD schools. Okay. So that you know, that's when I, you know, I guess the third time is part of the reason why I failed getting to medical school was because I was very selective. I wanted to stay here, right down here. Um, was that smart? I don't know. I don't regret it. I wouldn't take it back. Um, I think that even getting to medical school at an older age, I was 26 when I started medical school here, you know, July 2018. I have you know, certain life experiences that I wouldn't have changed. I think right. a different level of maturity, different level of discipline. Uh, so, so yeah. So you know, my my scores weren't weren't high enough for local for like FIU, UM, Nova wasn't around at that time. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth time, uh, I applied. I mean, I, I, so then I went back and took the MCAT again. Did a lot better, 80th percentile. I forgot what the score for five twelve or something like that. Um, I think a five twelve, and I was like, <laughs> it's like fiftieth percentile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But back then wow. it was like eightieth percentile. It was a little better. Um, uh, and then Nova, and then I had a friend who actually told me they're opening an MD school in Broward. I didn't even know about the school. I was kind of late in the game. So then I applied. Well, the application opened up really late too. Okay, yeah, so like October. Okay, no wonder. Yeah. So End of October. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, I um, this friend is actually, she's over at Brown doing internal medicine. Wow. Yeah. So cool. after I graduated from, sorry, after I graduated from FIU, I took a gap year. I went straight to work, you know. Uh, at a research company. I was doing the finances for that company. Uh, That's why you dress so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Dressed like a finance guy? Yeah, he dresses really nice. He does. Like, we'll talk about that. Like, you, impeccable. (laughs) The way your pants, like, you have nice pants. Etsy. I got all my ideas from Etsy and Pinterest. Mm, Okay. (laughs) No, you have you, a whole board. I'm like, just picturing like a Pinterest board, and it's just like pants, pants, pants for school, <laughs> pants for work. No, I always notice his pants, pants shoes are so combination. Because nice. like a lot of guys don't take pride in their pants. It's just pants, but your pants are nice. <laughs> Great hair too. Hair pants. He's a good-looking no, guy. No, this no, is audio of a man. The whole thing. The whole thing. It's just uh, mom. Yeah. Whatever good looks I have, I got them from mom. Good. So. <laughs> So you're 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 working for finance, and then you applied at Nova. And do you remember like what the interview was like, what your impression was here, and when you eventually got accepted? So I was very excited to 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 interview here. I'd also interviewed at over at UM and FIU, so I was stoked about that as well. 
Uh, mine over here was different because they have this MMI you know, stuff over at was FIU. Was this the first time that you had gotten an interview at FIU and UM? The no, cycle? So I, no, so I interviewed at FIU two years in a row and I was waitlisted both years. Oh, man. And the reason okay. why they even gave me interviews is because I had done research there. They knew who I was. A lot of the professors were vouching for me. Whoa. So I think it was kind of like a petty interview and they put me on the waitlist just to say that, just to, to, out of respect for the professors that were trying to, you know, putting in a good word for me. Well, it's their loss. It's okay. I still love the school and, um, but I love this one a lot more. So, uh, I guess I'm a, I'm a panther and a shark at the same time. I mean, FIU gave me a chance to go to you know go to college, right? Yeah. So you know, I you no, can FIU's be, fantastic. Yeah. They're a great place. You can't be all bad. We also I rotate think with they're them all great. a lot. Yeah, they have some of the like the nicest med students that Agreed. I meet on rotation. See, they're just they pick a good group of people. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they, they're it's good school. It's good. They 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 you know they got it together. They've done well, and they're a relatively new school. They've been around for what, twelve years or something like that, and yeah. they're matching people at you know these. They're doing amazing excellent. places. Yeah, they have great match lists and just really nice med students. Yeah. So, do you remember where you were, like what you were doing when you got that acceptance Wait, here? Wait, hold on. We're talking about the interview first. Oh, first time skip, yeah, I don't want to skip over the yeah, MMIs. It's the first time he ever did an MMI. Yeah, first okay. time doing an MMI. What'd you think? So, I interviewed with Haley. She's also doing surgery. Yeah. Shout out Haley. Shout out Haley. Military match. Yep. Yep. she military matched into, which we should get her on to talk about it because it's a pretty specific process. She's doing uh, doing surgery and serving our country. I mean, it can't get any better than that. No, you cannot. Go Haley. Go Haley. So uh, MMI comes around, you know, it's just these brief moments, these snippets of conversations that you're having with people and you're trying to make a good impression. It's strange, right? Right. And you, it's kind of hard to make a connection with them. And time's flying by fast. And then you have, um, there's a session, not a sim, a uh, collaborative session. I forgot. The PBL the session. PBL session. Yes. See, I'm already blanking out on PBL. We still <laughs> do I enjoyed it. it. We yeah. still do PBL sessions for the interview day. Which is nice. I think I think PBL is good. Uh, it's a good tool to weed out people who are just, you know, outright just rude and mean. Because it's kind of hard for you to fail PBL interview, even if you just kind of sit quiet and contribute minimally as long as you're you know you're part of the part of the crew and you're showing that you want to be there you know you should be fine but not. if you can just get up and say oh, i'm the best or you better do what i say or you're just you know too aggressive <laughs> you know that's when you you know or just the way you like disagree with people because yeah. you have to disagree and state your point sometimes but if you're doing it just openly aggressively it's, yeah. it's, you're not going to do well yeah so i guess just to whoever listens to this podcast even students that are applying to medical school if you're caught in one of these situations where you're doing a PBL interview, uh, we're the only school that does it. As of right are now, are we? Yes. Oh well, if it changes, and I met every here, single one of them. Just be nice. Just be, be nice. Be yourself. Yes. It's okay to disagree, right? There's power in disagreement. You know, just be a human being, right? So if you were disagreeing with your parents or whatever, don't be a jerk. So if you are, <laughs> that's it. There goes your interview. Don't, don't, be goes, jerk. Yeah, <laughs> don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Good advice. It's yeah. a no. It's Simple. It's, it's, it's true. It's you are right. Yeah. Sometimes we complicate things. There's certain things are just easy, and it's easy to be, you know, to fail if you're just, you know, if you're just a mean person. So, how do you feel like you did? Oh, I'm sure he did great. No, I know he did <laughs> great, but how do you feel <laughs> like you did? Well, I got accepted, so okay, I, I must have done something right along the way. But you know, I, I I thought it did well. I mean, again, I have no problem having conversations. I have no problem, you know, having differences with someone else. You know, uh, on the contrary, I love having differences with people because often, more often than not, I end up learning a lot more than if I just agree with somebody. Um, and there's a lot to learn. 
I think that maybe, I mean, I know that there's like a selection process and you know more about this than I do, Sam, but I think that the people that they've kind of collected in our class are people that are okay with disagreeing. Like we're not an extremely agreeable bunch in in a good way, usually. Um, Like we're we're all right stating our mind. We're okay disagreeing with somebody and having an argument for the sake of, you know, the greater good or for the sake of learning, which is good. That's what Dean Padilla told us on match day. Remember we all go stand in front of her and she said, you guys have not been the easiest class. And I mean that in the best way. <laughs> and I want you to take that spirit with you out to your residencies and just be the same. Um, well, if we had been, I don't think we would have made a lot of good changes that we did. And correct. whenever we saw something along the four years, we're like, hey, this isn't good or this isn't as good as it could be. We definitely, or at least usually, um, spoke up about it and got it at least uh, changed in some way. Oh, yeah. I would say almost on pretty much everything. So Absolutely. So you got in. Do you remember the day you were accepted? This because for you this must have been a huge deal because I mean this is your third go. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about that day. Big day. Do you remember the day? So I was um I was at I was a house home. I was actually about to have lunch. And I think I had received the letter via mail the day before, but somehow I think my dad never picked up the mail the day before. It was in the mail? Yeah, so was, yeah, they, they sent out a uh, an acceptance, an actual card, a letter saying, you know. You got that too? I don't know if I got that. Maybe later no, I on. I just got an yeah. email. Maybe he was local, so he got, got it really quick. I like a video you know? in it. Yeah. He's like right down the road, so. Yeah. Let's give this guy a courtesy. <laughs> a courtesy okay. in writing. But I also received an email as well. Okay. Um, Do you remember you were going to eat for lunch or? No. I don't remember. I was okay. just home. Yeah, the rest okay. is just a blur. I was just home. You know, received the letter, opened the letter, had the NSU logo outside, and it says, you know, congratulations, you've been accepted to, you know, the NSUMD program to be part of the charter class. I mean, enough said. The rest, I didn't even read the rest. I don't know what it says. I still don't know what the rest says. Uh, that's all I <laughs> care about. Something yeah, deposit. Something, something exactly. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get ready for loans, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, um, just my whole family, you know, was ecstatic. Uh, my wife at that time was just a girlfriend, um, was actually on her way home. I mean, it was just an amazing, an amazing feeling. Such a, such a relief and such an accomplishment. I would say probably one of the biggest accomplishments. I would say that I felt being accepted to medical school was sweeter than matching into a residency. Mm-hmm. Just because of how much I had failed leading up to that acceptance. I think know, that's but, fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it makes sense, too, for most people because a lot of years and a lot of time and luck and hard work and everything goes into getting an acceptance somewhere especially after you've applied for multiple years in a row and like once you get in you know that you're very likely going to match somewhere yeah because even if you look at the numbers right you have a what 40 percent shot at getting into med school but usmd usdo you got above a 90 percent chance of matching so that's correct once you're in the med school it's yeah, so, I agree with everything you said there. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big deal. Not only is it a payoff for everything you're working for, but it's a, it's just kind of guaranteeing. It's almost like setting up the beginning of your career. Well, yep. it is setting yep. up the beginning yep. of your career. Like, I know I'm going to be a doctor. I know I'm going to be an XYZ type of doctor. So, yeah, it should feel – I totally get that. Yeah, because there's some going back, you know, like you said, Mitch. You know, that's just a, sort of the catalyst. You know, from then on, it's just, you know, it's whether you want to stick with it or not. It's, 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 it's up to you. There's Before not, that, it's kind of up to you, you know – the world and it's you know magical ways of working obviously you know uh, with good grades and stuff your, your chances are, are better sure but you know once you're in medical school it's like you're on the horse you know yeah. it's mm-hmm. only up to you to you know you want to get off the horse and keep going keep riding you know i, I couldn't yep. say it better and like there's not many career paths like this where 
yeah, there's pros and cons, but if you get accepted, man, your your path, you're kind of on like a train with like tracks. It's like if you stay on this train, like you know where it's headed, you know for the next four years you're in school, as long as you work hard and stay disciplined, like you'll graduate, you know you go to residency, that's another three plus years, and then after that you have a great career waiting for you, so it's it's very nice. Yeah, yeah. So then you get accepted, some months go by, you don't have to make a big move or anything. No, you're not already at all. here. Yeah. Did you live but you did you stay living at home? I stayed. In- so that was a difficult decision because I wanted to come close. So I'm about 45, 50 minutes away from home. Right. Right. And that's just, and that's just you know, one way. And you live south yeah. of the school, down closer to Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I live in, in high, East Hialeah. Yeah. I was right. staying with, okay. my, you know, with my parents at that time. And, and sort of the debate was whether should I move up here or not? So, you know. You made the right decision. Financially, it yeah. didn't make that much sense. You Correct. Know? Um, and, um, but the, the issue was a little older already, right? So I'm 26, you know, I've been dating now my. You know, my wife for three years, three, four years. So we kind of wanted to move in together. So it was kind of, you know, personal, financial. The point is I stayed home. Yeah. And I knew it was, I was going to have to go back anyways for rotations during the third and fourth year. You know, right. A lot of them were down south. So I'm like, you know, well, I'll save the money. You know, I don't have to move. And, you know, you get used to the drive. And I would listen to podcasts on the way. And I would listen to Boards and Beyond. And you, know, you kind of make it, you know, you make it work. And our schedules within the first two years are fairly flexible. Yeah. In that, you know, there are days where you don't have to come to campus. Absolutely, yes. So, and the time you leave back for back home is probably not during rush hour. You typically can leave around yeah. noon or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it sounds like it was definitely the right decision. So how was that transition to uh, – it's always funny hearing people's take on it because everyone's coming in from a completely different situation. Like Sam Rainey, man, his, his transition to, like, PI – that professional immersion was crazy. He had like 48 hours coming from across the country, like leaving the military and starting PI versus yeah, like some like of us. 48 hours prior to starting med school, he was in a Humvee doing some military training <laughs> exercises. And then, he, then he's like, okay, now I'm a med student. How was the transition for you? Yeah. I mean, it was rather smooth. I didn't have to do much moving around. You know, I know a lot of, you know, many of my peers, I think, including both of you, you know, had to relocate mm-hmm. and uh, significant others had to find jobs down here. Mm-hmm. In my case, you know, life just kind of stayed the way it was. It's just had to drive a little further north. That's all. So it was smooth. You know, it was um, nothing exciting on my end. That's a good thing. Yeah. I'm happy, yeah, that's a very I'm happy good to thing. hear that. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, and it's going to be the same for residency too, right? Exactly the same for residency. So, you know. Except I, I imagine, did you get your own place? I did. Because you're married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now Congratulations, by the to. way. Thank you. You recently got married. Thank you. I appreciate um, it. What was that like a? Like a month ago, uh, February twenty fifth. Oh, that's yeah. a good day. Yeah. Okay. I think she's still she's still kind of doubting her decision, but I told her to already. I don't already. think so. I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think so at all. She's stuck. Um. Okay, so you're here. How was the first two years for you? Like, how was fundamentals? How did it go? Was it what you were expecting? I mean, you have this big buildup. All you want to do is get into med school. Yeah. You're here. How did? What did you think? Yeah, it was everything I expected. Okay. It was everything I expected. Um. Obviously, I mean, there's some. Um. Surprises along the way, right? I mean, you know, uh, but it was it was difficult, which I expected. Uh, it was challenging. Uh, it took a lot of resilience. Uh, it was a steep learning curve. Um, I mean, it was a new environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, a change in, in, in social pace, right? In the sense of like, uh, now you have to allocate more time to studying. You no, know, no more going out. Remember, all my friends and family are here, so their life continue, right? It's just as if. You know, they don't understand that medical school is like a whole different animal. They have to adjust to you. Yeah. How was it for you, like, the change of social pace, but how was it the change of social, you know, people? 
Yeah. It's different, right? Yeah. Different yeah. from... I would say that it was one of these times where I was surrounded with people that had so much to offer. Well, okay, let me take that back. So everyone <laughs> has something to offer. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I mean academically, professionally. These are all folks that are coming in here that are extremely focused, mm-hmm. are very smart. They're driven, hardworking, right? Oh, and, yeah. and, and and you start building these relationships that are that are friendships, but at the same time, they have this air of professionalism, right? And these are people whom you can learn something from on a daily basis, no matter who they are. Yep. I wasn't used to that. Many of my friends, you know, uh, are not college graduates. These are people whom I know from, you know, when I was eight, nine years old, they were running around, riding bikes, and, you know, throwing eggs at houses, right? right. You know, Cuban <laughs> kids in Hialeah. So these, these are the friends that I still have today, you know? Yeah. They're, and they're amazing people. I wouldn't trade yeah. them for the world. But it's just a different atmosphere altogether. Totally different, So, right? So, yeah. It's, it's, it's a different, it's a different, it's a cultural shock coming up here. As much as people from up north coming down here, and you know, to South Florida. It was it's, for me, was too. For me. It was a cultural shock, you know, not coming to South Florida so much from Colorado. I mean, that, that was cool. I was excited about that part. But just being around med students, that was different for me. That was, I'd never been around such driven, accomplished Almost like, you know, when I was a kid, you make fun of somebody for wanting to get yeah. good grades, a bunch, right? Yeah, a bunch of nerds. Yeah, that a guys. bunch of nerds. Yeah. So, but, but then all of a sudden, you're one of the nerds. Yeah, well, yeah. I just, yeah, I realized I was when I yeah. went back to undergrad. But it was just to see. And then even when I went back to undergrad, it wasn't like that. Everybody was just, okay, we're all here to learn, you know, about biology and stuff. But this was different. Yeah. I was like, whoa, these people care about what their grades yeah. are. It was such a weird transition Absolutely. for me. And, like, they've been working on this their whole life. Yeah. This is... It was different for me, too. And also cool to be down here. And I have to tell you, I remember this about you. I saw you eating. Um, you had, like, what I think might have been picadillo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were microwaving it in the microwave. Then you had a banana. And you With just, the right ri- yeah, yeah, white you, rice and a banana. You, yeah, and you peeled that banana and you chopped it up into your picadillo. <laughs> and I looked and I, I was I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I used to observe What are you doing? This is cool. Like, I want to know more. Yeah. Tell me more. What is this? And this was what? This was like almost four years ago. And I'm, I'm my interest is peaked, right? Yeah. I'm not like, oh, banana and, and meat. No, that's that, <laughs> like, that sounds good. And I get it now because I, I, I like to get Maduros now. Yeah. I don't know if I'm saying yeah. that right, yeah, yeah. but it's the sweet plantains. Fried. And they yeah. taste so good and beans and rice with a picadillo and you just eat it all together it's that little sweet starchy just (laughs) tang on your tongue with your savory and i get it now and i always remember that moment i was like we always just cut up a banana and do this lunch yeah that's very that's a very cuban thing i I don't even know of any other latin american countries where they do that where they actually eat uh, bananas a fruit you know i mean i I don't eat mangoes with rice it's just mangoes as a fruit and fruit stays with the fruit so you put them in smoothies protein shakes but they don't you don't mix them with piece of steak right no but it makes but sense. in cuba they do banana rice and and um and and picadillo and ground beef that's beautiful you know? and it's a delicious meal i love it it is a delicious meal that's yeah. one of the things i love most about south florida is that i've been able to um as somebody who i don't discriminate against food i love it in all of its iterations um that has been the most amazing thing for me being down here it's being able to try all that yeah and even, now know it even the small things like the coffee like the coffee is just not a big thing up in central florida and then you come down here and it's like a part of your daily life just mm-hmm. like with coladas and cortaditos and everything and or, or the cafecito and everybody yeah. drinks it out of the little cups yeah yeah cafe con leches yeah. anything the it, little it's cups, just, like at, after lunch 
and the shots, the espresso shots. Yeah. Yeah. Coladas yeah. Small cups. Dude, yeah. I, we went on vacation last year out to the like the Northwest and went to Oregon and like Seattle and Portland. And we would go to like coffee shops and the whole time I'm like, this coffee sucks. I literally just want like a good cafe con leche from the nice sweet ladies at Kendall Regional Medical Center. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it's so much better. With the Cuban toast. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, that's oh, so much better. I've become such a fan of Cuban toast with, with, with cheese. Yeah. Cheese. They you got butter cheese. to it. Yeah. Just yeah. a big greasy slab of flattened <laughs> bread. It keeps you going. It, it's a, it's a it's pick so me up. It's so good. It's fat and carbs. Yeah. What else do you yeah. need? Oh man, it's beautiful. I felt bad. It's like you're a contradiction. You're sitting in the hospital, eating cheesy buttery bread. There we go. <laughs> but it's real good. You're gonna be it's a future future user of statin. Yeah, like you're, of you're building up to you. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That way I can experience what my patients will. There we experience. go. I'll prescribe. Sure, taking. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad to hear your first two years went pretty painlessly leading up to step one that's kind of like the first big milestone i think for every medical student it's like a rite of passage like going into dedicated uh, even dedicated itself was kind of this nebulous thing coming up where it's like oh we have no classes that's crazy for like two months wow just gonna be on our own studying that's kind of important how did that go for you like how was the transition yeah. how was dedicated in step one for you so so i mean the first two years don't get me wrong i mean it it, again, it was as as expected, right? That was the question. It was mm-hmm. as expected, Not but, ex- sorry, yeah, but expected yeah. wasn't easy, right? It was very yeah. all. Not so for me. you know, I, there were some there were some times where I was like, "Wow, this is this is tough." Fundamentals was a was like getting hit over the head with a sledgehammer. I mean, it's, you, it's, exactly. it's like all of medicine, you know, abbreviated into what was it, two months or something like that? Eight yeah, weeks thirteen or weeks. Thirteen weeks. Yeah. So that was difficult, and then you know, systems start to come along, and um. Yeah, so it wasn't easy, but it was again as expected. As I, so I expected it for it to be hard. So st- step one comes around, dedicated, dedicated comes around. I start freaking out because I'm like, I'm thinking back now to the MCAT. I'm like, oh gosh, these standardized tests, they're the death of me. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to seek information, trying to build a plan. You know, trying to use the things that I that I did the last time I took the MCAT. I was a bit more successful. And then step one comes around. Uh, I was able to take step one. Actually, I took step one in Doral. That's the closest testing center. Mm-hmm. And my biggest fear sort of came alive. But here's where your environment <laughs> always, you know, could be beneficial. So where I live in Hialeah, there's a lot of chickens and stuff like that. So at any point in time, <laughs> you know, these things start, you know, what do chickens do? They queen or whatever? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Coo? They, yeah? They, yeah, they cock-a-doodle-doo. They cock-a-doodle-doo. Do. There we yeah. go. So, <laughs> you know, you could be studying this no matter what time, you know, and yeah. you could be, yeah. <laughs> And there we go. And they start okay. calling your name. <laughs> yeah. Is that your chicken impression? Louis! Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, <that's my> <laughs> Give me some picadillo. <laughs> Don't forget the banana. <laughs> yeah. And then, or you have your neighbors just playing music, especially on the weekends, you know, which is kind of your dedicated study days. Yeah, I, I have that with my neighbors. There it is. You yeah. know, it's, it's a lot of families, a lot of birthdays. Everyone has a birthday. It's, I don't know how many yeah, birthdays. Yeah. They just make them up, I think, sometimes. <laughs> this is, you know, everyone's, Big families. There we go. Everyone's yeah. having a birthday. So you get used to kind of studying with that background, right? You, you some never noise canceling headphones. Is what you know what he's saying. Well, it will go through. I know. No, you're saying that that's how you were retaining information with the background noise. Well, the so testing he, center is going to be so, dead quiet. So here's the irony of it. On the contrary, <laughs> oh, so okay. I was expecting, right? I was expecting. Um, so I'll break my studying. I would do so half the time at FIU, the other half at home, right? Because FIU was it's about 20 minutes away from home. They have a very nice library there. Uh, so I'll go there, especially when I when I was uh, taking the practice tests. I go to FIU to get my eight hours of quiet time. Um, but then at home, you know, you have all this noise, and you just have to focus. You got to do what you got to do. 
so now step one comes around and I'm like, I'm expecting this quiet environment, you know, and there's a guy next to me who had, I, I, he had, he had bronchitis without question. <laughs> I mean, I can, now I could just put my, my finger on the diagnosis. <laughs> he had, he didn't have pneumonia because I don't think he was spiking a fever, right? Cause he, I mean, he was alert. But he had this cough, this nagging cough that wouldn't go away. And it was so loud that it would just penetrate the, you know, these muffling headphones. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, I don't know what exam he was doing, but he was there for like five and a half, six hours, almost oh, for the wow. entirety of step. Oh, wow. Ooh. Right? Okay. But thankfully, I was kind of used to that. And I had all these <laughs> students during the break time, you know, there was a girl that started crying, you know, some guy was very upset calling his mom, you know, oh. people were talking to the ladies there, asking about them the guy about the guy because oh. they, they couldn't focus, you know. Oh, wow. So, you know. So this is a big deal. Yeah, these are all people that are taking tests, you know, professional tests, entrance exams, whatever. And you can't bring a Hall's cough drop into the testing center. And like, they're not going to let you put it at your listen, desk. You could have given that guy a course of steroids. You could have injected. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. It was one of these. He was sick. Period. I don't know why he showed Which up there. It sucks for him because he probably hey, couldn't we're change talking it. But this, this yeah. might be COVID times too, like right at the beginning, well, right? I don't this know. End of February. Patient zero. Well, I didn't get sick, so I don't think it was. And he and there was plenty of <laughs> particles being dispersed. That does suck, though, for the other test takers. Yes. It can really throw you off. Very it disturbing. It yeah. was very, very disturbing. And and again, people get nervous, and then you're trying to read and hear this cough, and you know, it kind of breaks your groove. And then people were complaining, but the lady said, "Listen, I can't kick him out. It's just that, that's not grounds for kicking somebody out." You know, it's not purposeful noise. You know, he doesn't have any legal stuff in there. You know, all those other parameters that would consider you, you know, ineligible to take the He's test. He's not doing something right. legally wrong. There we go. Yeah. He's just you know? coughing. So everyone's upset. And I'm just here kind of, you know, upset. But at the same time, it's just so amusing to me. I'm like, wow. You know, what I'd hated about studying at home, thanks to that, I'm actually able to. I can get the questions through. I, it doesn't bother me that much. This is. It's like meditative. This guy is the rooster. I have the rooster <laughs> taking the test with me. <laughs> That's so, beautiful. Yeah. So step one comes around. I got a two thirty, which is a little below average. I think the average is two thirty four five for surgery or in general. No, just in general. It's, it's actually I know because it's my exact same score too. The average is a two thirty one. So we're like yeah. right there, we there. We're right there. We're average. Yeah. So two thirty. I'm okay great. with being average. Oh, I was ecstatic. <laughs> um, you know, glad that I got that out of the way. You know. Funny thing is, I did a little lower than my practice test. I was averaging in the high 230s, low 240s. And 230 comes around. It's okay. You know, it is what it is. You got to remember who you're comparing to, too. It's yeah. not average pre-med. It's average medical yeah. student. That's yeah. very good. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, like you, I used to always think, ah, I'm not good at standardized tests. But I think, um, and I noticed that's something a lot of, like, first-gen college students will say. Yeah. But it's just because we may not have had that that type of, you know, like, oh, you need to practice for this test at home or like in school, they might not have, yeah. our education might not have been geared towards a test. We might not have known the importance of it. Um, but it's not, it's never the test. It's yeah. just, you got to learn how to take the yeah. test. I mean, there's a lot of data out there saying people who are not bilingual, people whose first language is not English have a harder time reading these tests, yada, yada, mm -hmm. yada, social economic status, whatever. One of the things you guys will learn about me throughout this podcast is that I hate excuses. It to sounds me, like it. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you can you can have an explanation for something, but it gets to a point where, like, you know, if you blame everything you do in life to, you know, whatever your socioeconomic status, your gender, people you grew up with, your parents, you know, your lack of inheritance, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, you're never gonna get anything done. So that's, you know, I guess we'll talk about that. But which one of the reasons why I like surgery, by the way, it's just kind of, I, I believe there's a lot of that attitude in surgery, right? We got to get it done, mm -hmm. sort of attitude, forget the rest. But the point is, I got two thirty, I was happy, you know, I was okay. And um, and that's it, you know. Third year came around. 
clinical rotations, you know, sort of took off. What did you start with when you started? Because I know we had our COVID shutdown. And then what did you start with? What was your first rotation? Obstetrics and gynecology. Oh, yeah? How was that? Yeah. It, it, was, it was a great time. Uh, I, uh, my rotation was over at Plantation. Uh, it was kind of slow at that time, as you know. I um, had that one, too. Who yeah. were you with? I was with Dr. Cohen, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Salas, who's mm-hmm. an extraordinary guy. That's who I was with. Yeah. yeah. I remember we talked way yeah. back in the day. I haven't thought about it in a while. We yeah. talked about it, yeah. yeah what a guy. This is fantastic. So amazing. Um, and at Plantation. And it was kind of slow. It was, what, three weeks? Because hours were yep. hours was, yeah. was shortened. Three weeks. And Truncated right. rotation. Yeah. Truncated. Yeah. And then what'd you do? When, then, so you do you start with obstetrics. Obstetrics? OBGYN. <laughs> OBGYN, yeah. OB-G-Y-N. <laughs> and you're like, is this for me? Is this not for you? You're like, yeah, it's it cool, wasn't for, but, It wasn't you know, for me. It was some me. stitches? Yeah. Um, no. That was the first time that I actually scrubbed. And here's a funny story. So, listen, I don't care who tells you that they are how about this it doesn't matter who they are people make mistakes along the way remember the, these professors that you see now whom you admire and rightfully so because they've earned their you know they've earned that admiration you know through their work they start somewhere and the reason why i'm saying this is um that's the first time that i scrubbed in and i'm never gonna forget this i was totally scrubbed in and then all of a sudden i go and i reach for my glasses no. no, there we go. Oh. So it broke the sterile field. Did you get yelled at? Yeah, I got yelled yeah, at. Yeah, of course. And it, was, and it was an amazing memory. I loved it. I'm never going to forget it. <laughs> so it's okay if you guys do that. Anyone listen to this podcast, it's okay if that happens. We're going to yell at you. Don't become intimidated. Oh, yeah. You know, no. don't you are uh, because we've of all that. broken the sterile field. Exactly. Yeah. So enjoy, have fun with it, remember it, joke about it afterwards. So, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. So I, when I, I was at the same, like on OBGYN at Plantation, and it was also one of my first times scrubbing in. You know how you have to like bring the gloves and like uh-huh. drop them sterilely onto the field to get your own gloves? I remember I brought them in. I had never done that. Like, you know, where you open up the gloves a certain way and you kind of throw it on this. So I was like, oh, God, like, what, where do I put these? And the scrub tech was like, oh, put them right there on that table. Just don't touch anything. So I did it and I dropped them and I. I don't think I actually broke sterile field, but I dropped them onto the portholes, like okay. the, uh, not the portholes, but the ports. Yeah. And one of the scrub techs saw me do that and like just absolutely lost his, you know, he, uh, they had to, you. they took the whole table, they cleaned it out, they got yeah. new equipment, they blaming it on the med student. Yeah. 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 It, was, it was a great, yeah, we great have, rotation. We, we have a student at Candleview, they're doing the same thing, but but he actually dropped the, the plastic bag on the sterile field. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> so that, he, that was definitely broken sterile field and they had to sort of retract all the instruments and, the, you know, open up new trays and stuff. But I touched happens. the light above the, above the field. Nice. <laughs> They're like, oh man, we need light. They're like, oh, that light doesn't have a uh, doesn't have a, a sterile thingy on it. It's like, oh, cool, I'll grab it. There it is. <laughs> and then they all just stopped and looked at me. They're like, step out now. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Oh, my bad. Hey, bye, sorry. I'm going. I am sorry. <laughs> Whatever. Oops. Oops. So, you, what did you like about it? Did did I guess that was also kind of my first introduction to surgery Same. in a way, in that you're in an yep. OR sometimes. Did you like that? Did it kind of pique your interest in it at all? I mean, absolutely. Uh, so by that time, I already had an interest in surgery. Um, starting medical school, I've always enjoyed, and, and we've had this conversation before, Mitch. I've always enjoyed uh, acute care medicine, mm-hmm. right? Whether that be you know, at the uh, emergency department or in the OR. It's just the concept, of, the concept of being able to think on your feet, be able to solve a problem, have this database of knowledge you know, at your disposal. For whatever comes your way to me it's always been fascinating i think that's the most beautiful sort of medicine mm-hmm. um 
so I already kind of had an, you know, an idea that I want to do sort of critical care, EM, surgery. You know, I was kind of there, right? So there dermatology was never for me. Psychiatry was never for me. No, not psychiatry? No. No. <laughs> I need a psychiatrist, but not, <laughs> I don't think I'm qualified to give psychiatric care. Um, you know, these sort of uh, uh, specialties, uh, you know, PM&R, even though I love sports, wasn't for me. And, and ortho was just the only surgical specialty that never really piqued my interest. You know, I thought it was awesome. I think it's, it's extraordinary what they do, but it just wasn't for me either. We have so, a lot of overlap there in the interest. Yeah. So you win when, at what point do you decide I'm doing, um, oh, we go, we go like a while. Time. Oh, no, I was, I, oh. I looked weird at the computer oh. and it looked like I thought. Yeah, I just want to show the volume. Is, yeah. No, everything's great. Okay. So <laughs> what, at what point do you realize I'm going to, because I remember you and I had a conversation. You were actually stuck between IM and surgery. Yeah. Which nobody gets stuck between those two. It's either you're firmly one or the other. How do you get in that predicament? Yeah, it's quite a dichotomous. Uh, that is the great divider. That is yeah, the fork in the that road. Is the, that's the weird, <laughs> supposed to be sworn enemy. Yeah. So how, how can you have a difficulty yeah. picking a side? So, you know, when they say the typical uh, sort of go-to slogan the surgeons use is, hey, if there's nothing else, if you hate everything else, then so do surgery if you hate everything else. If you can only see yourself in the OR. Right. If you can only, okay. To me, that is the biggest piece of baloney. And I'm sorry for all the, you know, Sabistans and shorts and whatever big time people who've ever said this. To me, it just doesn't make any sense. Okay. You know why? Uh, because I think that makes for a real dumb surgeon. Again, this is just very opinion based. There's no trademarks or whatever. You know, cropping <laughs> out of the. It's just you know, no. these be, views are, do yeah. not reflect the official view. Yeah, you know, of NSUMD or no, it's okay to have that's like that's your opinion. To and me, I agree. You should love everything. Somebody who goes into surgery ought to love medicine in general. Mm-hmm. I love EKGs. I love understanding ventilating uh, ventilation or ventilator settings. I would love to learn more about pemphigus vulgaris. You know, I have no problem, you know, whatever, trying to determine, you know, one rash from another. Think about the the most, you know, anti-surgical thing in medicine. I love it. I love physiology. I love the way the suction machine sounds inside somebody's abdomen. There it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a, love that like sound. like a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. So when you love medicine, at the same time, you know, you love using your hands to solve a problem, I think that makes for the best combination. Because the best surgeons are often very good clinicians. Mm-hmm. So no, I loved medicine. I loved cardiology, all that stuff. So my fork and road with 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 IM was, if I do IM internal medicine, right, then I have the option of perhaps doing critical care, right, and then at some point it also became difficult because I was stuck between IM, EM, and surgery. Oh wow! Right. Okay. I mean, I can't tell you the distribution like twenty percent this, thirty percent that, but they were all there. You know, they were all there, and um, you know, by this time I had done my IM rotation my surgery rotation, but I had not had an opportunity to do emergency medicine, which was my third year elective, which COVID kind of did away with. Same. Right. Yeah. Um, and also, again, we're very impressionable as medical students and, and you you will all see this. Uh, sometimes you fall in love with something or a specialty that you, you know didn't anticipate falling in love with. And it's not so much the specialties, the people you work with, the environment you're in. So I think Dr. Rashbutt said this, you know, and he, he said this uh, during our second year, he said, just make sure you you know you really enjoy the specialty, not the people that you're with. Like, don't don't choose a specialty just because you've enjoyed working with somebody. Because mm-hmm. the likelihood of you working with them for the rest of your life are just you know, slim to none, right? These just people you who you would transition with for you know two months or whatever rotation, then move on. Correct. Like right? I loved psychiatry. There we go. Mitch was there. 
best it, residents, fantastic, get along with everybody, but the patients, that was hard for yeah. me. That was hard. Yeah. So I was like, hey, I can't, pick, I can't do this. Exactly. Yeah. Can't do it. And I know that you and I had a really similar conversation to this, but like, and we've talked about this before, but I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I, we both share a love for acute care medicine. We both liked and loved aspects of emergency medicine and just the the environment in the ER, I'm sure you agree, is just amazing. Yep. Usually the people there are very down to earth, hardworking. It's a it's just so much fun. But that's that is just one part of it. Yep. And we talked about this on other episodes too, but I'll say it again. When you're choosing a career, because that's what you're choosing, you're not just choosing like a specialty as a medical student. You're choosing a career for the rest of your life. And you really have to take stock and look at what your life as an attending is going to be like, not what your your time as a medical student has been like or what your experience as a medical student has been like or even the residence. That doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Residency is going to be hard no matter if you do family medicine or right. neurosurgery. I mean, there's a difference, obviously, but it's going to be challenging either way. Um, and I think what you – I imagine what you probably did was look at what each career was like and what you actually valued the most. Yeah. So – I. So I did a lot of research, you know. I mean, I listened to podcasts. I, um, I mean, I read articles, data being published on, you know, lifestyle satisfaction and yearly salary and um, uh, occupational projections. I mean, I, was, I, was, I tried uh, intellectualizing my way through this decision. I feel like I'm looking at myself in yeah. the Cuban mirror right now. <laughs> there we go, the Cuban <laughs> Mitchell. <laughs> Okay. You know, because that's that's you know that's all you can do, and especially as medical students, we find comfort in you know in numbers and data. So it's like you know what it, I read articles of you know physician dissatisfaction, physician burnout, you know how many surgeons hate their how many surgeons hate their job, and you know <laughs> pay all the things that you could all the numbers. It's right? like if you get enough data points, to, at some point you're going to be able to make that decision. Correct. And it's not how it works. It's not. I mean, it it helps, but at the end of the day, it it's you just can't. It's a it's hard for you to quantify feelings or, or quantify your passion for something, you know? I think there's a difference between doing your due diligence and learning a, a base of knowledge about each specialty. Of course, everyone should do that. But there comes a point where it it can become like obsessive where, like I said, you think that yeah. if you just read enough, you'll it'll come to you. Like, like a light bulb will go off and you'll be like, oh, this makes the most sense. Yeah. I, I I had to look a lot more inside, like introspectively, and stop looking at stuff to make my decision comfortably. And I, I yeah. just imagine you were similar. Yeah. Do you remember when I was going to be a surgeon for like a week? <laughs> I knew you were never going to be a surgeon, <laughs> but I remember when you thought you were going to be a surgeon for it was a week. Like a week on IM because I got to see some surgeries. I was like, this is so cool. You get to work your way through a problem, and the lighting and the OR is incredible. And then time just it accelerates in the OR. You yeah. forget that you're there for five hours when you have this problem in front of you and you're working on it. And it's incredible. And all the neat devices they use and the things that they made specially for certain surgeries, it's incredible. Yeah. And I, that's a perfect example of you're, you're a naturally curious person. You love medicine mm-hmm. genuinely. You love to learn. So therefore you can find value in anything. And mm-hmm. you're like, wow, this is incredible because surgery is incredible. It's, it's amazing. But it's that's not amazing. what you want out of a career. No, <laughs> no, it's not my life. So I, I wouldn't fit. Not I'm you. not cool. I'm like, not, I'm yeah. not cool enough. Let's yeah. just be no, honest. No, it's not about being cool. I mean, it's a matter of like, you know, like you said, Mitch, doing some introspection and, and seeing what makes you happiest at the end how did that go for you like how did the final decision actually come about so the reason why so surgery was always kind of you know kind of my top and the other ones were just there because i was always very interested in medicine and em and and i guess i was so curious as to what em you know 
because you don't know until you're there. And that's something that I want, you know, I would love to suggest to anyone listening to this podcast is if you're having a hard time deciding, then try to, you know, do more rotations in that specialty. The more exposed you are, you know, it's just, you know, the, the, it's just the larger the, uh, the larger the experience, sort of that, you know, that pool of experiences that would help you determine if this is for me or not, right? Because you have a very good experience with surgery. Maybe that may that may be the only experience you have with surgery, but then when you're in a case and it's like seven, eight hours long and you're hungry and you got to pee, and then after that you got to go around and you have to write notes, you're like, wow, you know, this is not for me, but you never had a chance to be in that crappy environment and you think surgery is the best thing out there and it's not, it's not for you, you get me? Or vice versa. Uh, you know, my wife was in the great consideration, you know, surgery is five years. Uh, so, so about this, it, when you do an introspection, at least what I did is you kind of have to break it down into components, you know, sort of, sort of personal life in the sense of, you know, relationships outside of medicine. You know, what do you want to do with your life outside of medicine? And then you say, well, now, now that I'm in medicine, it's how long do you want to be training for? You know, which goes along with, you know, finances, which is very important. If you go into medicine, again, this is just personal opinion. It is not reflective on SUMD, whatever. You <laughs> want to make money. We're all adults here. Whatever. We all carry debt. Yeah, yeah. You know, things are getting expensive. You want to go into a field where you don't have to worry about money. That when you go to the hospital, you're there because you love doing what you do, mm-hmm. not because you have to do more hours to make an extra couple of bucks to pay for a house or a car or your kid's college or whatever. Because then, I mean, it's just it becomes a job instead of an occupation or instead of a calling, mm-hmm. right? So you want to see how much, you know, the job makes, you know, where are they hiring, where are the job prox- uh, prospects, uh, you know, surgery. You know, there's always going to be a need for surgeons, especially with an aging population. That's also very important, right? Like, I completely agree with it, and I think people miss this a bunch. Job prospects. Yeah. That's huge. Absolutely. Otherwise, what happens after three years, five years? And I think a lot of students don't have jobs. Some, uh, many don't have jobs ever. Uh, right. They yeah. just, right. Which I'm not faulting them for that. No. But it, you, it does leave a deficit of experience where you may not be thinking about things like career prospects. What is my life going to look like financially? Uh, is this the lifestyle I want? The schedule type I want? Shift mm-hmm. work versus working on right. call, et cetera. Um, yeah. And these are all extremely important and they these are all uh, granular aspects of what does my life as an attending look like and is that what i want sure sure yeah, yeah and absolutely and at the end of the day it's it's gonna come down to a personal decision you know what do you love the most you know even if it doesn't pay let's say you've already considered you know you have a good understanding right you have a, like like mitch said the basic sort of basic fund of knowledge as to what you are to expect right and then you say well this job is not going to pay that much pediatrics for instance you know everybody knows pediatrics it's not a secret right pediatricians don't, don't make that much money and they work a lot and they're incredibly prepared and well-rounded physicians but it's just, it just doesn't pay all that great even though you'll make a good salary it doesn't pay all that great in comparison mm-hmm. but you're okay with that that's absolutely perfect right as long as you're okay with it don't just don't be blindsided you know if you want to be a family doc and then tomorrow you have to see 40 patients in a day and you expect that being a family physician means you get to see 10 and you get to have, you know, two hour long conversations and you get to meet their family and go out for picnics, which is the <laughs> idea. Yeah, right. That idealistic <laughs> medical student. I would love that. Right. Wouldn't that be <laughs> awesome? Sign me, that. sign me up for that too. But that's not, that's not the reality, right. right? Unfortunately, it's not the reality. But if you're well aware of that and you're okay with that, you're going to have to take the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing perfect, you know? And I think that, you kind of talked about a little this a little bit, but I think it's super important that if you are seriously considering something, you do an elective in it, or you at bare minimum shadow a physician in your off time, sometime. Yep. 
for me that that like way back of the mind specialty for me was anesthesiology. Mm. I like wasn't seriously considering it, but I was like, maybe, and I've just never seen it. So I did that elective right before applications, like the month before. That's when I, I was saw you a little bit at Kendall. And I knew that it wasn't for me after like a week, but like I really am glad I did that because you don't want that like, well, what if just in right. case you, know, you want to go see it. Absolutely. And also like I did an EM away rotation at what was my dream place that solidified EM wasn't for me. So that took okay. everything out. That made me feel really comfortable. Was yeah. there like a moment where you felt like, okay, I, I know we kind of talked about why you picked surgery, but when you realize like IM's not for me, EM's not for me, like this is the one. Did you do the EM elective eventually? So I, I did it towards the end. I did EM uh, October, uh, pardon me, November. November of, of, la- year. of last year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so you already applied. Yeah, I was already. Okay. Yeah. I was already. My, so because, you know, it, it's just as important to know what you want as to know what you don't want because it helps right. you kind of, you know, rule out things. Yes. For sure. So during my fourth year sub eye in surgery, that's when I, you know, I said, this is for me because I yeah. felt extremely fulfilled. And it was extremely, uh, it, it was probably the toughest rotation I've had because a sub eye, especially at the place where you would want to eventually train at, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're kind of like a pseudo intern there. Yeah, it's like a month-long interview. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's just, uh, you're there for a month or Two, yeah, it's a month, right? Yeah, four weeks. Yeah. Okay, that was a little longer. Yeah, four weeks. Well, far, far longer. <laughs> um, and you're there and you're doing, you know, practically, you know, 10 days on, you know, to, even though we don't have to work the weekends, I'll still show up on the weekends. Yeah. Right? So so I could see my interest. and But I just felt extremely fulfilled. I was sleep deprived. I was hungry. You know, I wasn't exercising. You know, I was barely seeing my, you know, fiance at that time. But at the end of the day, I enjoyed waking up. And being there, I enjoyed taking care of these patients. You looked forward to getting up and yeah, going in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll die a little bit inside every morning when I had to wake up, you know, with like four <laughs> hours of sleep. Once you get moving, it kind of goes 100%, away. A hundred percent. And you're there and you're in the OR and you're interacting with these people, you know, and you're seeing the patients and the pathology and you're getting your hands on. That's another thing. I had an extremely amazing experience. I went to another place where it was in the case where I was just doing glorified shadowing in the OR, Right. And um, and that that's sad, right? Because that kind of turns off a lot of students. But over at Candle, I can say that the good you know, yeah, the name Kendall, of the good place well, yeah, that, where that's I'm training. One of our programs, yeah, right, that's where, where I training, we rotate. You know, I, I was in there and I was you know tying knots and I was throwing sutures and you know I was making incisions and I was taking care of patients and you know they gave me uh, you know this latitude to do things there, right, under supervision that was I felt complete. For anyone who's listening or in the future or whenever. Um, you know, Kendall, and I know we get these questions a lot from rising M3s. Where should I preference my rotations? Which I think I, they just got theirs, by the way. They it's did just exciting. get theirs. Oh, and nice. I would always tell people, I have not heard a bad word about doing surgery at Kendall because, yeah, is it hard? Is it tough? Are you going to be there early? Is it going to be late? Are you going to be there late? It's, but everybody says it's the quintessential surgery experience. I wish I could have done surgery there. Um, but I think that it's like internal med at Aventura and surgery at Kendall are kind of the, 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 gold, the, yeah. the gold standards. The gold yeah. standards. If yeah. you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's a s- not the official views of NSU. <laughs> right. There well, you go. <laughs> I mean, no, we're just telling, you know, people who are coming. Yeah. You know, in, like underclassmen are going to ask these questions, yeah. and these are answers that you know that I myself might give, that you'll give, and that Lewis will give. So it's uh, it's very important, and I actually think Kendall IM is good too. Mm-hmm. Um, caveat: you should probably know your Spanish. Yeah, I, that's that's yeah. Yeah, not for surgery, but for IM, you should you know right. be able to talk. I don't know why, yeah. but like for everybody else, yeah, why? for everybody yeah. know why. Why? 
I mean, it's it's that's the population of it's the area. Ninety five percent Spanish speaking, you know, staff that feel very comfortable, you know, communicating in Spanish. Yeah. And it's um, not that it's right. No, but I sometimes think it's they just go fine. on, yeah, yeah into just Spanish tandem just conversations, even though know, clinical conversations. They're speaking about treatment and this and that, and they're giving the whole pathophysiology in Spanish. I think that's awesome, right? And I they think forget that's a great that. opportunity to learn. <laughs> it is, it is, and they forget that there are students there who just don't don't dominate Spanish, you know, at, at that level. Um, I mean, who, I mean, who comes down to Miami? And, I mean, not right. knowing like, okay, I'm gonna have yeah. to brush up on my Spanish. Like that's a given. And the Jordan patients that. don't speak English, so yeah. you know. As a because I only speak English, I did EM there and I did anesthesiology, and I got by for sure. Like it wasn't yeah. like I couldn't learn there or I couldn't get through the rotation, but especially in emergency medicine, very difficult if you don't know Spanish. And there was residents there who were like third year residents that still hadn't learned Spanish. Yeah. So like you can get by, but you will need a nurse to translate for you. You'll have to get by struggling with Google Translate or use like an official translator thing, which is what you're supposed to do, yeah. but does not happen all the time. Um, I would recommend learning Spanish. If to me, that's possible. like got to be the best way to learn it too. Total immersion. Oh, um, I would think like, come on, immersion. after three years of his medicine or of his residency, yeah, you got to be like trying hard, trying not yeah. to learn it. Yeah, like, I, that's, a little sketchy yeah. for sure. There's I only one person. That's amazing. <laughs> if you have that opportunity to be training there, and you're learning Spanish, that is the best option. Yeah, because you're gonna learn it. Yeah, I mean, all the attendings and residents, you know, from all of them, they know. Obviously, they have to. You know, they know English, but it's just you know, sometimes they just feel comfortable. Yeah. Especially they know each other so well, they just feel comfortable. Or Spanglish, right? I love that. They, say they speak I Spanish and then they <laughs> switch to English and they go back to Spanish. I love uh, it. That's how it should be. <laughs> spaghetti and meatballs in there. Exactly. Spaghetti so and meatballs. <laughs> you end up deciding to <laughs> you end up deciding to apply to general surgery. Um, if you don't mind sharing, how many places did you decide to end up applying to? Did you choose like places regionally? Um, do you remember how many you applied to? How many interviews you went on? All that, yeah. all that good stuff. So I took step two. Ah, when okay. did you do that? Did you do um, that early? What, so I got sick with COVID in January of last year, 2021. I remember. So that pushed yeah, off your would, PCM to yeah. me, like me. We were both in. Okay. So we threw off all of my schedule. Um, so I had to end up taking step two uh, instead of May, which was the plan. It was June. Took step two. Got a 250 on step two. Whoa. Very nice. Uh, Dang. Um, Whoa. It's a little better Mr. than step Smarty one. Smarty pants yeah, here. Right. Add another Come pair on. of pants to the you, collection, uh, huh? You guys are in the 260s and 70s. No, um, not me. <laughs> 250 <laughs> step two. And then I went into doing a surgical oncology rotation before my sub-eye, wow. which anyone going into surgery, before you do your sub-eye, I highly recommend at least emergency medicine or another surgical rotation before. So okay. when you get in there, you know, you're sharp, right? Especially if you do dedicated study before that and you do pediatrics before that. Next thing you know, you spend four or five months without doing anything surgical. You don't want to, you know, be emerged in your sub-eye. And, and that one's at Mercy, right? Yes, that was a Mercy. I love Mercy Hospital. Oh, yeah, it makes experience. I, yeah, yeah, that's that's my favorite one. <laughs> There's like 20 cats right outside the hospital. <laughs> no, no, and like, the food's great. Nah, you can... <laughs> No, nah, but you feed them. There's cats. There's peacocks. They're all there waiting for their afternoon There we go. Lunch. It's yeah. a small Dr. zoo. Dr. DeLeon's around Dr. somewhere. Dr. That's his. Those are his haunts. Yeah. That, it's it's amazing. Yeah. And then the, the the views of the ocean. Oh, no. I it's mean, a beautiful place. Extraordinary place. Yeah. I like my, Unfortunately, my only experience there was shadowing one of the interventional cardiologists for a day. But oh. it was a great day. And yeah. it yeah. seems like a beautiful hospital. You, you got to do a rotation there. Yeah. It's, yeah, I did it's a must there, do. too. Yep, I did. I did. Two uh, obstetrics. Amazing you did that? experience, yeah, with oh, Dr. D. Dr. Fantastic, Dr. right? Get out of here. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 
because of Dr. Doom. Yeah, even if you do dermatology, try to do two weeks of obstetric Yeah, whatever it is over there, you just go do it. Just do it. Any opportunity to see Dr. DeLeon, hang out with him, and if you guys listen to his episode, please listen to it. It's incredible. Um, Yeah, anything with him. So applied, um, got my letters of rec. I mean, we can go into this whole... The letters of rec thing was so stressful for me because I have a hard time, you know, depending on people to do things. And that's the one component of your application that you sort of, you ask, you follow up, but it's kind of out of your hands. You have to fully trust that this person's going to get it done. Um, Which I I agree. I I did find it a little less stressful than undergrad because like, at least for me in undergrad, like at least one of my letters was like a random professor that I barely knew, honestly. (laughs) So you're like emailing them and they just don't care versus the people you generally ask for a residency. They're usually physicians. They've done this before. They understand timeliness is important with this process. So it should go well, generally speaking. Yeah, I, I, I guess you have to be a bit... You have to be tactical when you do when you ask for letters of recommendation. So I'm, I mean, I'm ever grateful for my letter writers. Uh, what I opted to do was to ask for. So you need you have your you know chair letter, mm-hmm. uh, which is the program for for surgery is the program director over at Kendall, uh, Dr. McKinney. And the chair letter, for those of you who don't know, it just is kind of automatically done by your school. There's not really any effort on your part. And some yeah. school, some residencies, depending on the specialty, will require it. Mitch and I applied IM. Many of the programs require a chair letter, but your school will take care of it for you. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the loads off on that one. Mm-hmm. And then three other letters for surgery, you know, preferentially it ought to be surgeons. Mm-hmm. But I think you could have a, up to two surgeons and then one just, you know, I guess miscellaneous internal medicine or whatnot. But get, try to get three surgical letters. What I did was I got them all through my fourth year. Mm-hmm. Um. And the reason why I did that is because I wanted to, and, and again, you, know, you got to play writer, right? I mean, you got to know your relationships. You know, you're close to this person, but you could wait all the way to fourth year and then not be, you know, freaking out because they're not going to give it to you or whatnot. Um, the reason why I did that is because by fourth year, I had already had at least two rotations with these individuals, and they kind of had an idea of, of who I was. So it was, there were personalized letters. Yep. Not just some random letters. I did the same thing. Like, I never asked during third year. Yeah. And I know there's advice to do that, but exactly. I never asked anybody during my third either. year. I just felt, like, not comfortable. Like, they yeah. have to know me. Of course. In um, third year, you're still learning how to take a medical history. Right. You know, so they're, it, what are they going to write about you? you they know? don't know you deeply as a person, and there's nothing you can really yeah. do to impress them clinically. So, yeah. like, it's tough. Yeah. It's yeah. a tough ask. Yeah, you want these letters to be personalized, and you want to make them memorable. Uh, you want to make a... a you want to make those letter writers remember who you are. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best. And you know, I receive actually a lot of compliments about my letters I more no than doubts. any other part of my application, which is letters of recommendations. And I was so so happy about that. I was just about to say, I don't know what your letters said, yeah. but I'm sure they all said very great things. <laughs> yeah, especially for surgery. The surgeons, they they know. I mean, they 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 they're very they trust the other surgeons. Sort of, you know, uh, words about the student. I, right. I think yeah. I think that applies to. I mean, I'm sure every specialty in a certain way, but I know emergency medicine the most, uh, aside from internal medicine. It's a a tight world. And I'm sure it's the same in like plastics and cardiology. Like people know each other Mm -hmm. more so than you might think. So if (laughs) if a surgeon doesn't like you, not because they're a jerk, but like if multiple surgeons end up, like you make a bad impression on them, that will get around. And it's very important to have the the good uh, graces of some of these leaders. Uh, Absolutely. Especially if they work with you and they can vouch for you. Yeah. And I'll give you an example of how what Mitch is saying. 
to just me uh, with my letters of recommendation at two places where I interviewed, and then we'll get into you know, how many places I interviewed and how many I applied, but two places that I interviewed, the people interviewing me were co-residents with my letter writers. So look how small this world is. Mm-hmm. I had one who actually wrote a letter of recommendation when um, when one of my letter writers was applying to fellowship. Oh, wow. And then another one who was the program director of this letter writer when when he was an intern. And, and these are programs that are... You know, I mean, I so I applied to sixty-two programs. Oh, I wow. interviewed. Okay. I received twenty-three interviews. Whoa! Ended up taking seventeen. Dang. Um. Nice. So there you go. So that's how close these people. are. It's a small, and did small you community. Stay, did you stay regional or no? I mean, you applied to sixty-two programs. Yeah, yeah I applied you, to you know Florida, you know, um, and then uh, others out of state. You know, yeah. Georgia. Uh, Louisiana, sort of close yeah. within the south, DC, Tennessee. So, okay, but so you kind of yeah. did stay Texas. like maybe east of like Texas East. Yeah, so I had. So you I weren't had, applying to like places out in LA. No, I, <laughs> I applied. Uh, no, no. Uh, I, no. <laughs> Seattle. I mean, I well, not Seattle, but but Washington State. I applied to University of Washington. Okay, um, that's the, about the furthest away from South Florida you can get, actually. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm Definitely. glad I. Yeah. yeah. No. It was just, it was just yeah. kind of, you know. No, <laughs> that's not, that's not for me. <laughs> it's not for me. So you apply sixty programs, you get twenty three. That is such an incredible yield, my friend. I gotta mm. fist bump you for that. Um, Thanks, Sam. And you, you interview, you take seventeen of those interviews, and you rank seventeen, and you end up. How did it work out for you? I mean, it could have had it any other way. I ended up getting my first choice, with, which was, was Kendall, Kendall Regional Medical oh, Center for, so for general it's surgery. It's like a storybook. Yeah. That's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's a storybook I ending. love it. I love it. And that's because mm-hmm. that's that's close to your home. That's your, like you said, yeah. bringing it back to the beginning. These are my yeah. people. This is my community. And, you, yeah. and now you get to get to do that. You get to serve your community as a surgeon. A hundred percent. I mean, that's a place where bad family members go when they're when they've been sick and so it's just kind of, you know, it's like kind of, you know, close, like close in the circle, right? Kind of a back. Moment. There you go. Wow. Full 360 now I get to, you know, kind of serve those same people. No, yeah. I, I would I would bring it back a little bit and just ask for those who are considering general surgery, what are like the different paths that general surgery leads to? Because I didn't even realize how many different fellowships there are, like more than you would think. It's not just like, you know, general surgery and like certain, you know, gastric you know, when they focus on certain organs within general surgery, there's critical care and all the other different things. So, like, what yeah. what do you know about the different fellowship opportunities? So, was it with paths? you, uh, um, uh, Mitch, and Dr. Charlatan that we were sort of, you know, debating what branch had more subspecialties, whether internal medicine or surgery? And I think surgery has more. Yeah, she was like, oh, yeah, I am for sure, for sure. And then we're like, are you sure? And then <laughs> yeah. she thought about it. She's like, wait a second. Because it's basically all the different specialties IM has, if you can think about it, uh, like, well, and the cardiothoracic, yeah. you know. You compare them, cardiology, cardiothoracic. Oncology, but then yeah. you also have to branch into pediatrics yeah. because it's not just limited to like pediatricians. There's pediatric surgeons yeah. that come off of general surgery, right? Sure, and there's and then there's this sub-fellowship. I mean, medicine's getting extremely specialized. I mean, now there's, there's a surgeon for the left ear, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the running joke, you know. Um, but, um, but, I mean, as a general surgeon, you could do, I mean, you could – Go into whatever you want. You can do plastics. I think except for orthopedics and neurosurgery. I don't think they're they're, they're those are just independent pathways. Uh, you could you know from general surgery you could do uh, endocrine surgery. You could do plastic surgery, colorectal, uh, colorectal surgery, critical care, trauma. 
Um, so critical care trauma, there's such a thing as a trauma fellowship. There's a critical care fellowship, but I don't know. It's called now. It's it's, it's being coined as acute care surgery now. It's I mean it's wow. it's, a, it's, okay. a, it's a burgeoning field, but um, I mean what else you name it? I mean the uh, well urology. It's it's on its own. Vascular um, surgery. Yeah, vascular yeah. surgery, cardiothoracic surgery. Um, We're missing a couple. I mean, I bariatric like. surgery. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, ENT. I guess is another specialized one. ENT. I think there may be a route. Can you from get to ENT surgery. from general surgery? Maybe. I don't know. Regardless, yeah. though, yeah. there's a lot of different things, and yeah. then not to mention just being a general surgeon. Yeah. Which, which is, is so varied. Yeah. And sure. I think you can do what like a robotics. Mm. Spellowship. Yeah, and there's robotics there, and then there's like you know you do metabolic surgery now. This is whole thing of metabolic surgery for you know these uh, for these bariatric surgeons. You know, Hold it's on, like a I whole field. I might need this one. Tell me about this. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you gonna be doing that? It's or? A whole, yeah, I mean it's it's a whole field coming up, and uh, but yeah, there's I mean probably over a dozen different specialties that you can go into from wow. general surgery. Uh, what you are do, you thinking? And you do plastics, and then from plastics, you could do another year. You could do hand surgery. Microsurgery. So yes. There we go. Sometimes there's, there's so many different things. Gosh. Do you, you have can, ideas yet or no? I like critical care. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, right. Like you trauma, were mentioning critical it. care, okay. which is another reason why Kendall's kind of perfect for me. Yeah. Besides, it's you know, Pretty geography. heavy in trauma. Yeah. One of the yeah. two trauma centers down here. Yeah, it's the, uh, so you could divide Miami-Dade County into kind of two. You know, one, the west is kind of uh, UM Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of the east part is... Um, Going all the way down to the Keys is uh, Kendall. The other level one trauma. They have a burn center as well wow. uh, there. I will say on my EM rotation, they had a lot of serious trauma coming yeah. in. And, yeah, some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, Very good. Even just in the trauma bay, I know mm-hmm. so much more goes on upstairs after you stabilize them. But, like, between EM and the trauma team in, in the bay, there was so much teaching going on, hands-on, yeah. and some really serious stuff. Um, so even as a student, it's highly recommended. Like I said, yeah, no, absolutely. So this is exciting for you. I'm, I'm, I, I'm so excited. You're staying here. You're going to the place you want to go to. This is the hospital you grew up. You know, people are going to it. You know it. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm very happy. I'm very fortunate. I mean, uh, part of it is luck. So I mean, I have to, right? you got to be humble. You know, part of it is luck. It's just being, you know, I think I'm very, very fortunate. Uh, One question I have for you. Um, shoot. So all four years of med school, and I don't know, you remember that day. That day we went to the library. Oh, yeah. And you were picking out scrubs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember that day. And you bought a, and you bought a, a snapback or a I hat. I got a hat. I got a go. hat, yeah. And, uh, and and you looked good in every pair of scrubs, by the way. <laughs> um, how do you stay in shape all four years of med school, Lewis? You've been, like, this is something that escapes me, but you make it a priority to stay in shape, right? I'm assuming you go to the gym. And I you're try probably to. probably healthy. I mean, you put a banana in your rice. There to it me, is. that's healthy. <laughs> so <laughs> I try to get my vegetables and fruits in like, so let's in every talk meal. About it. How did you make, you made that, a pro- obviously, you make it a priority. I mean, you do when you can. So, I, I mean, I come from a background of, of sports. I mean, I'm not a I know you were a high performance athlete the, like like Mitch over here. You, know, you were big into the intermentals. It, uh, oh, sorry, intramural sports, right? You did yeah. a lot of that. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I love sports. I grew up playing sports. You know, with with my my pops and my brother, and you know, and we still do it every Sunday. We play indoor soccer, for instance, and um, you know, whenever I had a chance, I would try to go for a run, you know, especially in the busy days. Now I'm fourth year. I mean, I actually get to go to the gym and spend an hour at the gym, which I know that that's going to come to an end soon, starting mm-hmm. July. That 
Um, but yeah, I mean, diet-wise, I mean, try to eat as best as you can when you can. But sometimes, especially in surgery, it's just kind yeah, of yeah, you can't really forewarning. Plan that. Yeah, you, you eat when you can, what you can. With regards to exercise, too, it, some like an M3 I was talking to the other day, she was asking me specifically, like, how do you like keep exercising and stuff and I don't know how you did it, but for me, it was very, it was like variable. Like I, I don't think it's very good to be super strict. Like you can't, I, I couldn't be like, uh, like currently right now, I'm working out like four times a week in the gym for an hour. That's kind of a lot when you're, when you have a busy schedule. Yeah. That's not something I did on surgery. Like on surgery, I'd be lucky to maybe go for a run twice a week. Yeah. Maybe hit the gym once and move some weight around. I think you have to adapt it to your workload. I don't think it's realistic to have a consistent strict schedule. I mean, you can, but you're going to be sacrificing time doing other things. Even if that's just sitting on the couch for an hour, you kind of need that from time yeah, to time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's just uh, there's a difference between reality and expectations. Mm-hmm. And it's important you know, for us to kind of set proper expectations. And then, I mean, if you can supersede them, go ahead, you know. Uh, but, I mean, you got to know where you stand and where your priorities are. Sometimes, as, you know, you're better off spending that hour studying and doing practice questions right. and working out. And it sucks. Uh, and you have to be okay with it. Uh, I, you have to be okay with it. I think it's good to put a strict like baseline. Like you shouldn't do nothing, even if you're really busy. Like try to do something a couple times a week. Yeah. And maybe like that's as low as you go. Yeah. But and then crank it up when you have more time. Sure. I think that's healthy. And if you enjoy, I mean, there's some people who enjoy doing things that are physically stimulating. There's people who do enjoy going for a run. I dread going for runs. Mm. I mean, I love playing sports. I mean, I'd rather kick a ball for an hour than just go for just to run the treadmill. To me, it just drives me nuts. I feel like a hamster. Right. Uh, it's just it's just not natural. Or I'd rather go outside and you know go bike or something, something fun, right? Shoot hoops on my own, than go running. So people enjoy that. Other people just don't, and and they you know for them exercising is a responsibility and not a, you know something they take pleasure in, and that sucks, right? Because that makes just makes it that much harder. <laughs> so much worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, you got to take care of yourself, and and I mean taking care of yourself doesn't just mean exercising. Yes, exercise has many benefits, but if taking care of yourself means you know maybe spending an hour watching a show and that's how you feel mentally um unless you have your wellness then do it do it i think that's just that's important i do have a maybe a couple questions as we kind of wind down here it's been a really good conversation um i know we touched on it earlier but would you have any advice to it's typically like the second to third year students who may be between a few different specialties like you and myself where any advice to them beyond what we've already said of just trying to narrow it down, prioritizing what's important. Um, if you can think of anything else we haven't already touched on, or maybe just re- reiterate something you've already said. Yeah, so priorities are important. I know, I mean, everyone, especially as medical students, we understand the concept of delayed gratification. I mean, we spent all these years studying just so we can do what we, you know, what we love, right? So this is not a new a new concept to any of you, any of you uh, listening to this podcast, but I think during the first few years, focus on setting yourself up for success by establishing a good front of knowledge, by doing well in your tests. So when that moment comes and you perhaps just say you wanted to do internal medicine all your life and all of a sudden you fell in love with neurosurgery or ENT or one of these ultra competitive specialties, you know, you have good grounds on which to stand to continue building that trajectory. I hope this makes sense. Yeah. Um, so again, priorities. Don't don't rush, don't rush the process. You know, kind of stay in it, live it, enjoy. It. So first two years, you know, build your clinical knowledge, try to do well on your you know board exams. I know it's past fail now, so things have changed a little bit, right? Yeah. So but that being said, you still want to build that 
as much basic science knowledge as you can. Absolutely. So now research is becoming a big deal because remember these program directors, they need quantifiable data. So this whole pass fail, I mean, we can get into this argument if you guys want to, but some other time or not. But <laughs> we've done it a couple of times. We yeah. can do it again. I don't care. We just so think it, it's it just, it puts the it emphasis the on step two now. Right? Okay, so I guess yeah. the can down the road to step two. So that you know, we think that's the big one now, and where you go to med school. Yeah, going back to that, you know, the healthy, you know, disagreements. Unfortunately, I guess we all disagree. <laughs> There's not going to be much debating. No, go ahead. Because that's you know, I mean, that, cause I agree with you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, some people say no, it's a good okay. thing. To me, it's not a good thing. To me, it's just, you know, again, it's just delaying the inevitable and me as a program director i'm going to sit down and i'm going to look to different program director? no <laughs> no but when you I would become to be, one when yeah. you become one so and i see i have sam and mitchell and it's like okay so what is this tic-tac-toe or you know i need data to let me know sure you know whom i'm going to choose and it sucks but it's true i, I was I, exp- go ahead. I imagine it, there'd be a cutoff right like at least from doing admissions here it's like there's a cutoff score right like you know or there's a score where you're like okay this is good Anything above it, hey, it's great. Anything below it, hey, but as long as they meet this one benchmark, now I can start digging into their app and yeah. seeing who they are. Exactly. Um, and some residency programs post that number. Yeah. Um, it's always only been for step one, but now I just think it's going to be for step two. Exactly. I, I heard a very cynical take on this, which I don't entirely disagree with. You can tell me what you guys think. But it was basically like, well, if we're making step one pass fail and, you know, if somebody wants to be a neurosurgeon, at least let them know earlier they're not going to be a neurosurgeon. Like if you're going to get a 215 <laughs> on step one, at least they know a year earlier. Uh, yeah. I mean, seriously, imagine like somebody's a neurosurgery, for, for example, hopeful, and they find out they got a 30th percentile step two a month before they were planning to apply. Mm-hmm. For, that's a rough change versus, all right. I know a year yeah. and some change beforehand. Let me just switch gears here. Exactly. Start seeing what else do I, you know, what else I may love to do instead of neurosurgery. So I'm with you, Mitchell. I think that, you know, data is important. So what's happening now is, you know, research is taking precedence. So how many publications one student has versus the other is another indicator of academic success. Um, and then step two is going to become the big thing, right? It's going to become now the step two is going to be the new step one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then letters of rec are still going to be letters of rec. And and for some people, it's unfortunate because the the process becomes more subjective. Like you said, now what medical school you went to, oh, yeah, you know, who's pulling for you. Yeah. Because, again, the beautiful numbers are – it sucks when you're in the wrong side of numbers, but numbers are the great sort of differentiator. You know, they're, objective data is objective Yeah, data. they don't discriminate. I mean, you know, a 230 is a 230, right? 250 is a 250 in step one. So it's – But even if you look at the yeah. Texas star data, right, and you look at people who – matched at certain places and maybe the step one score is lower than what you would expect look at the list of schools they're coming from right uh, a residency program might not care if you had a 225 but if you're from a top 20 school they're yeah. gonna want you sure um so i think where you go to school extremely important absolutely uh, which is unfortunate right because not everybody has the same access to all schools right but i think that's that's a big one i think i think it's definitely an, an important like it's a, it'll help you a lot. Yes. But at the same time, it's not that I disagree at all. It's just that's one of those things that's out of your control once you're in medical school. Sure, but so, it's in your control when you're a residency director. You go, I want everybody from a top 30 or agreed. a top 50. Yeah. And there's just 
nothing yet. It's out of our control. Yeah, nothing just, we could do about you're, it. You're right, 100%. Yeah. Just as a medical student, like where you are is where you are. Yeah, the you thing, make the best of that. And, and I think that removing step one, like it doesn't change the value. How do I say this? It's not that it changes the value of everything else, you know, your research, your letters of recommendation, your step two. It's just there is one less piece of objective data. So the ones you do have left are you're going to be looked yeah. at that's m- that much harder. Yeah. Um, so it makes, it, yeah, it makes it harder for the, if you're not from those top 20 schools. Yes. And I'll give you the perfect example of why it's important for you to have objective data. And, I mean, I don't want to say, you know, the student's name, but we have a student from NSUMD, which is a new school, right? The people right. that are talking on this podcast will be the first class to graduate. But this student matched at Wake Forest for plastic <laughs> surgery uh, categorical, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. that is. Don't ex- worry, we have him on the show tomorrow. Oh yeah. So okay. So so you. you <laughs> just, so it's not a secret. Okay. It's not so, a secret. No. Yeah. There he, we go. So that's yeah. the importance of having objective data. If this student, again, this is just speculation, may not have had a step one score, how can you differentiate him from the Harvard students? So he did have a step one score. Probably blew it out of the water. So then, you know, audition rotations out. probably help a lot yeah. too. A hundred percent, you know, but listen, you can audition as many times as you want. If you don't meet a certain criteria. Oh yeah. They're not you know, even going to look Even at, at Kendall, because they told me this at Kendall, you know, before I even took my step one, it's like, yeah, I mean, you're great. You know, we love you. But if you don't have the numbers, we, there's nothing we can do for you. That's you know? the thing is like, if you're coming from, you know, Harvard or some top 10 school or something, of course, that's going to help yeah. you. Of course, you're going to be in better footing, but you can't control that. If you go somewhere newer, like here or any other regular, you know, middle tier med school, whatever you want to yeah. call it. You can only control what you can control. Step two is one of the easiest ones to control. Not that it's easy. It's yeah. just the most in your control. Mm-hmm. So I agree. So again, I mean, you can make an argument for both things. In my opinion, the more numbers, the better. This is just making it harder, making it more subjective. Um, but whatever. Um, I did have one last question for you too. Yeah. Any advice to aspiring general surgery applicants specifically that they have it on their radar at a minimum? Anything you would advise them going to third year, maybe for their surgical rotation or just, you know, in general as an applicant? Absolutely. Um, if, if you don't mind, because I don't think I answered the first question you asked me, which sure. any advice for, you know, second third, uh, uh, second and third year students. Again, the first advice is, you know, set yourself up for success, do right. well on your test, gain the knowledge, and then do your reading. Start, you know, probing into, I mean, you can have a tons of resources, especially if you come here, but there's many websites out there that have, good data as to you know sort of the type of training that's necessary the sort of people that go there the average step scores how many hours a week they work you know like uh, like a physician explorer was residency mm-hmm. explorer residency explorer a good Frida, one yeah. yeah you have all you have like many websites many blogs out there so start doing your reading you know mm-hmm. so start getting to know um sort of your you know your perspective field of interest then third year comes around and then you can have a chance to rotate and then that's going to be um, if you're lucky enough, as a narrow down to one, if you're not like many of us, then that's at least going to you know put you with two or three ones that you enjoy. And then now going to Mitchell's question, for those who are considering surgery, spend as much time as you can in OR. Understand what surgery is. It's not just cutting. It's not just, it, uh, what is it, taking out the bad, putting in the good or whatever. It's not just that. You know, you have to manage patients outside of the operating room. You need to be understand you know, um, the human side of medicine, in the sense that nobody, or these are some of the most vulnerable people ever. So mm-hmm. I have one of the surgeons once tell me, um, Hey Lewis, who do you think are the most vulnerable patients in this hospital? And, you know, he am trying to be a smart ass. I'm like, Oh, the patient in the ICU. And, and then he's like, absolutely not. It's the patients in pre-op. These people are freaking out. 
They're going to be completely exposed. They're trusting you with their life, literally, right? They're going to lay naked in an operating room, you know, sedated under anesthesia. I mean, these are the people you have to take care of the most. So, and that always stuck to me. So that's what, that's what you should expect of surgery. And then if, if that's something that you're considering, if you enjoy that, if you enjoy being hands-on, if you enjoy clinical medicine, if you're always curious, if you like hard work, right, if you like to get things done, if you like to work as part of a team, um, if you enjoy, you know, pulling together in the same direction, these are sort of characteristics that are going to attract you to surgery. Rotate through surgical specialties. See if you like that environment. Um, try to do away rotations in surgery so you can see a new environment, a new place, how people do it at different locations. Um, and just be exposed to it. I mean, that's the only thing I can tell you. I mean, you need to be exposed to it in order for you to know. Many people don't like surgery. It's because they do a surgical rotation. They realize it's not for them, which is absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. So many people like surgery because they do a surgical rotation and they fall in love with it. That's mm -hmm. absolutely perfect. As an outsider looking in, and I know it's applicable to other stuff too, like don't meet one attending and be like, that is surgery, therefore I like it or therefore I don't like it. Meet a bunch of surgeons. Mm -hmm. Do multiple rotations. Even if you're on one rotation, like try to scrub in with multiple attendings. They're going to have completely different, uh, just the vibe of the OR is going to be very different, the way they communicate with nursing staff and anesthesia. It's all different, the way they operate, the way they treat students. So like get as much exposure as you can because that's the only way you'll know if you like the specialty. It's all about reps. It's all about reps. And let me tell you this about, you know, surgery and culture. Because some, some of the medical students that I've spoken with, you know, from my level or, or now in this case, some of the third years is, well, because, you know, surgery, they have this reputation of, you know, you're a bunch of jerks, people screaming at each other. You know, it's like, it's like you're in a frat and you're getting hazed. Um, surgery has changed and it continues to change. I see that. You know, yeah, I'm there seeing there are if you look around the nation, many of the incoming intern, even I mean, it's been changing for years now. Are you have fully women classes, right? Being interns going into Which programs would have been that's not a thing unheard 20, of, 30 years ago. right? Or you have women program yeah. directors. Yeah. I mean, th yeah, things are so very much it's changing. Yeah, you know, they understand that in order for you to attract people to one of the toughest specialties, and I mean tough in the sense of the rigors of it. Um you need to provide an environment where people want to be there, right? Right. So it's like nobody's, nobody's going to tell you anymore. I mean, it can happen. Like stand in the corner of the room. Like, I mean, it's stupid things that used to happen before. You've seen movies right. or Grey's Anatomy and all that stuff. I know it's it's becoming very cordial. Um, Instead of those things being the norm, it's more the exception. Ex exactly. Yeah. And, and you have this new generation of surgeons, you know, that really enjoy, that love teaching, you know, that it's, so again, you know, that arrogance is kind of going out the window now. And so so keep that in mind. Surgery is not what you see. That's why, again, get yeah, your reps surgery, in. Surgery, it's incredible. It's beautiful. I love surgeons. I am grateful for them. It's the reason why I'm alive today because of a surgeon. Um, and the, the amount of stress that goes into your job when you have a patient whose body you've just opened up yeah. on a table, it's a high-stress environment. Sometimes that high stress gets the better of people, but you're right. The culture's changing. Yeah. They're incorporating wellness more, you know, oh. hour oh. limits and stuff like that. And I think that's so important because I think surgery is probably one of the most, if not the most, specialty because it's it's very important. It's very dire. I mean, yeah. we can say this about any specialty, <laughs> but for me, I think that is surgery. Oh. So, um, I am glad you're doing it. I think you're going to be great at it. Thank you, Sam. Is, is, I mean, hey, if I look over and you look at me and you say, Sam, we're going to have to take out your colon now, and it's you, 
I would be okay. You'd be like, I need a second opinion. Please, I, please no, I need a second opinion. I would be all right with it. <laughs> like, all right, go ahead. Students going to surgery, have a thick skin, understand the OR is a place. It's a high-stress environment, and mm-hmm. people often deal with stress with comedy and jokes are being tossed around. Don't take it personal. Enjoy it. Be part of the moment. Joke back, and it makes it makes your experience that much better. That's another thing. You know, don't. You know, nowadays everything is like, oh, they were so rude, this and that. It's like, no, it's not about being rude. Just it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's the vibe in there, right? I mean, if you're I don't that's know, like any team environment, and exactly. some people just haven't been in that environment. Exactly, before. and they're kind of you know thrown back by by how you know front people are in there, and you know, and everybody loves it. So don't come in. Don't throw a wrench into the machine, you know, because it's just sometimes it's people alive. are being rude to you out of humor and they're just testing yeah, to see how you react. Yeah, That's yeah. like a normal human behavior. Yeah, or in surgery operating, they take their, your hand out of the way, you know, out of the field. It's not because they don't have time to tell you, excuse me, can you please move your hand to oh, the yeah, side? Oh, no, they'll, they'll do this. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll just kind of, you know, slap you. your hand and, yeah. and then afterwards, like, oh, what's up? You know, like nothing happened because yeah, that's no just part. Deal. It's normal. I've seen it done between surgeons themselves. Again, so, you, yeah. have, you have somebody's body yeah. open. And that's part of the com- of that's you. how you communicate in there. Yeah. Part of the you know, part of the way you communicate in the OR is by moving each other's hands and moving around and maybe shoving you a little bit to the side because it's again this is not you're doing things. Pam 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 is flowing right. You can't stop to can you please move to the side or and, yeah. and that you in know. and of itself will make some people turn away and that's fine. Yeah, which is okay. But don't get turned off by it if you think you might be interested in it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I think is what we're trying to say. If yeah. you go into the OR and time disappears and you love it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. At least heavily consider it. At least yeah. heavily yeah. consider it. Just yeah. don't be mean to young Samantha when she walks Absolutely. in. <laughs> and read. Read surgical history if you have a chance. I think it's one of the things that, you know, why I fell in love with, with surgery. I love medical history. Surgery has such a such an amazing history. First of all, because it's kind of scary, the things that Oh, yeah. <laughs> were Did you read before. that book that I, I forget the name of the book? But, yeah. Have you seen the show called The Nick? You should watch it. I have it. not. Oh, please watch it. Yeah, it's I have incredible. not. It's incredible. It's about surgeons in like the 1800s. Yeah. And they actually show these, like they, they recreate yeah. these surgeries. It's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Please watch it. Think about it. Anesthesia wasn't, anesthesi- anesthesiologist, but anesthesia the name <laughs> wasn't around until, what, 1848, you know, William Morton. So before that, surgery was already a thing. So people were getting cut with without anesthesia and you amputated. Know, <laughs> the, before that, I'm reading like a, a medical history book. The surgeons and doctors were two separate like... Uh, we were barbers. Barbers, yeah. thank you. That's what they were called. We're, we're literally the outside and we were we the were inside. Bar- literally yeah. barbers. There was a period of time where there were like, there was like a, I forgot exactly what they called them. They had like a society that was kind of like a hybrid doctor, barber, surgeon thing. And then they slowly became one as yeah. they realized the yeah. the... The overlap between the two. Yeah. And but I want to say this episode shows that we are not enemies. We are friends. Never. There's, if you want optimal Surgery, internal care. medicine, we all work together and it's beautiful. And I love everybody. You got uh, Sam over here who's like on the primary care end of things. She could talk to somebody for an hour <laughs> in a clinic. Six. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got me who likes procedures and loves a lot of stuff about surgery, but still likes I am. And then you got the surgeon over here. Yeah. It's a nice little yeah. Venn diagram. And of I people. love meeting everybody from every specialty and picking their brain. And I'm just, Louis, again, yeah. I'm so excited to see where you go in life. Thank you. Though no. I know it's going to be somewhere great. And thank you for being here. And say your name again for just one more time. Luis Rafael Santi Esteban oh, Gonzalez. The, yes. the, the whole thing. The whole thing. <laughs> the full <laughs> name. Oh wow! <laughs> Try well, putting that in one of those bowling sheets. We you know we have to the, the no, scantrons. Oh jeez, all the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, good thing you don't have to bubble in scantrons anymore. No, I think what you guys are doing is an amazing thing, and thank you for doing this because it kind of you know leaves our our legacy. And um, and aside from that, it's it's an amazing way of, of kind of you know chipping in and, and being able to continue paving the way for. I want to say to me, um, and this for anybody who's applying, th- li- listen to me. You're in SUMD. 
To me, that's it's the face. It's, no, no, we it's, all are. No, it's the it's it's you. So um, again, so happy to see where you're going in life. Thank you, Sam. All the so, same, absolutely. Thank you. Hardworking dude, down to earth, hilarious. Hilarious. Just one of the best Popping guys. Popping off jokes, making me laugh since M1 year. So glad to what have you as my do? friend and classmate. Also think you're going to be amazing. You're going to be a great surgeon. Thank you both. And on that. It's the play out music. It's the play out music on the Sink or Swim podcast. I know you feel like you're going to sink, but you're not. You're going to swim with Lewis. You can call him Luis. You can call him Lewis. But what you're going to do is you're going to go to the OR. You're going to save a life with Lewis. You're not going to sink. You're only going to swim.